0: It's uh, I don't know. It's golf season, so PGA oh, tour tournaments usually start on Thursday, so Thursday hey, Friday, Saturday.
1: Speaking Sunday. of good things, let's talk about biblical meditation. <laughs> All right, let's talk about biblical meditation.
0: Golf is boring, bro. Let me just say, <laughs> hey, it's the perfect place to meditate.
1: You know what? Okay, I'll, maybe I, I've never tried, so I can't tell you for sure. But let me ask you some questions about meditation, because okay. people be people have been asking me. Everybody's
0: been asking me. Everyone's been asking me. What facial products do you use? And dude, the
1: gal at Hutchins the other day, yeah. Dan's like, how old do you think he is? And of course she was being nice, but she put me in my early 30s like, all right. There you go. 32 is what she said. I was pretty stoked by that. Okay. Meditation. Okay. People want to know why meditation is such a big deal. In fact, some people are confused by it. Do I have to be wearing yoga pants? For instance, when I biblically meditate, do I have to cross my legs when I do it? Do I need a yoga mat? Uh, more questions. Yeah. W-
0: what is it yeah. <laughs> and how do I do it? Well, let's let's start with what it's not. Uh, so the the transcendental meditation that exists out there. Well, what? The, the new age what are you saying? ideology that you're alluding to there, the, the cultural understanding of I'm going to cross my legs and, and hold my fingers together and say om. Um, even that chanting of that word om is a, it's a, it's a, it's a new age slash, you know, Near Eastern uh, mystical Hinduist Buddhist.
1: Keep going. How many ta- how many I, words can I'm, you add I'm, to this? I'm,
0: I'm so sh- I'm struggling so bad. I don't. <laughs> know. It comes from the I- ideology that we're trying to reach a certain tuning with the universe, to be one with the universe, and and that comes from the the doctrines of these false religions that. The idea of of trying to uh, leave behind all sense of dualism and and reach perfect unity with with all that is the universe. Atman is Brahman is the the phrase that's used in in these these religions. I don't even and know what that means. Basically, it's it's that idea of, of I, my soul is one with everything. Oh wow, that's weird. And it is weird, and and so that's what they're after when they're chanting this ohm is they're after the, the reaching the vibrations with the universe. In fact, even, and this builds off our conversation yesterday a little bit, uh, although a little bit slightly different, when we talk about having good vibes, like that has a lot to do with with Hinduism and, and Buddhism. We're, we're talking about vibes being vibrations, vibrations. with the universe. Like oh, are your vibes that- in tune with...
1: I wish you wouldn't have said that.
0: Well, I'm just, yeah. So, You've ruined my vibes, The bro. Beach Boys? <laughs> good, good. No. Good vibrations. The, the Beach Boys we're yeah, talking about? No. Yeah. Siri? Yeah. <sighs> yep. So I'm just saying. Why do you say these things? Because I, 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 I have to call it like it is. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about with biblical meditation, it, it, probably the best contrast is this. Uh, worldly meditation is seeking to empty our minds of everything. Uh, biblical meditation is the opposite. It's seeking to fill our minds with God's word. Uh, and so when we talk about meditating on scripture, it has nothing to do with what clothes you're wearing or what posture you're in. It has everything to do with what you are dwelling on, what you're thinking about. And so we talk about scripture memorization and memorization, meditation often go hand in hand because the thing that we want to be chewing on and meditating on is God's word. And so when we're doing the daily Bible podcast right now, right? So if you're reading your Bible in the morning, Our desire for you is not to read your Bible and then walk away from it for the rest of the day, only to return to pick it up the next day and be like, okay, somehow there's some passive, magical, mystical work going on in my life. No, the the goal is that you're going to take something away from your time in the Word that will be that thought that you're going to chew on, that you're going to meditate on throughout the rest of your day. That means you're going to turn it over in your mind over and over and again. You're going to be thinking about this and thinking right thoughts about God and filling your mind so that it's going to help you as you navigate this world
1: what's the difference between that and Bible study or even Bible reading kind of doing the same thing, aren't I? Um,
0: well, if you're at work and you are crunching numbers all day at work, you may not be able to have the word of God open in front of you, but you may be able to be doing something with your hands and, and, doing something that's kind of second nature to you. So you're, you're able to do it pretty easily. And at the same time, thinking about like a Bible verses, verse. right? Thinking about a Bible verse in your mind, Philippians four, eight, you're rehearsing, whatever's true, whatever's right. Th- th- these are things and, and you're thinking about those things as you're doing these other tasks. So it's, it's a, it's, it's more than the Bible study and the Bible reading. Cause the Bible study and the Bible reading, eventually you, you, you move on from that to do other tasks, but meditation can stay with you throughout your day. Okay. So this is going to sound
1: like a dumb question, but I think I might be asking a question that others are probably asking. How how do you, how do you practice good meditation on the verse? So what is it? You say you're thinking about it. What does good thinking mean?
0: Okay. So get down to basics. Talk to me like I'm five. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here's a good practice. When you read your Bible in the morning, the DBR, whenever you do read it, Thinking about identifying one thing in that that passage, something that you read that you learned something new about God or something that was convicting to you or something that was encouraging to you, a thought that comes out of that passage. And okay. then maybe you take a, an index card or you take your phone I like out. where this is going. Okay. And you write that thought down and you write that idea down. Okay. And then throughout the day, that's the thing that you're thinking about. So, for example, Philippians 4, 6. Let's take something, one of the more common Yeah, let's do an example. Do it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? Okay. So we're reading that, okay, I'm not to be anxious, but I'm to pray. Maybe that's our thought that we're taking out of that passage for the day. Okay. And so as I'm going through my day, I'm thinking about, okay, anytime I, I, I have something come up that is potentially angst-inducing, I'm walking into work, and there's a situation, I've got a meeting later on at work, or you know, I'm sending my kids off to school and there's a situation at their school that I'm concerned about. Meditation is having that readily available at the, at your mind and in your heart to go, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to respond to this thought that I'm having with what I thought about and what I read about today. I'm not going to be anxious instead. What do I need to do? I need to be praying. So I'm going to pray instead.
1: Okay. So uh, taking it, taking the application of it and putting it on different things throughout the day. Okay. So part it, it's yeah. yeah part, part of it. Obviously right. we can't exhaust this, but that's, that's a really helpful starting place for all of us. One of the best things that you can possibly do is, is practice biblical meditation. It is never a waste of time. It is always valuable. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. In fact, that's kind of what we do it as pastors, right? We, we meditate on a text and right. then we present it to you from our meditations as right. we study and think about it and turn it over in our brains and ask questions about it. And then we give it to you in the hopes that it benefits you in, in a very similar way. Yeah, what a good thing this would be for all of our church! I mean, the more we do this, the stronger we will be in our knowledge of the Word, in our practice of the Word, and certainly as our in our spiritual growth as the church. So, heartily commend it to you. If you're not practicing biblical meditation, maybe now is the time to start start it up.
0: Yep, super helpful exhortation there for sure. Leviticus 26 and 27. We're going to finish it today. Let's finish it. Wow, that felt anticlimactic. Leviticus 26. And uh gets into the, the idea of blessings and, and cursings. And we're a lot gonna hit more in, cursings though. Yeah. And we're gonna hit this even harder in Deuteronomy. Much harder. Um, yeah, significantly. But the the concept's introduced here and it's anchored to, again, God's identity. Look at verse one. I for I am the Lord your God. And then we get down into verse three, and here's the the, the uh the offer here, the initial uh, qualification. If you walk in my statutes. So there's a a Uh, what's the, the word starts with a C conviction, condition, condemnation. There's a condition. Thank you. Okay, man. It's the barbecue. I blame the barbecue. I do feel a lot more lethargic today (laughs) than I did. Thanks a lot, Dan. Two days later, Dan, we're still full. Yeah, no, but uh, it's the condition that's given here. And this is the condition condition that if Israel would meet, there would be blessings. If they didn't, there would be cursings some of the blessings that we see here verses four through five have to do with the agricultural blessings that they would receive, that there would be rains and there would be crops and produce. And that was going to be good Verses six through 10. There's, there's peace, but it's more the concept of Shalom. So it's not just peace as in like, there's no war, but there's, but there's an overall well-being. There's an overall wholeness about the people that is experienced there. And, and notice verse 9. Uh, we get a, a call back here to the Abrahamic covenant. I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to make you fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. So there we see again the Abrahamic covenant still at work right now. Uh, and then the other blessing in verses 11 through 13 not to be overlooked is God's presence. He says, I will be with you as your God and you will be my people. Now, uh, that anytime you read that phrase, I want you to think about Revelation 21. Even though we're a long way away from Revelation 21 because revelation 21 will be the ultimate reality of that phrase that will be when that is finally realized in a permanent unending form is when god says in revelation 21 i'm i will be with you as your god and you are my people and and, and then it's forever between here and there, it's always going to be temporal. Right now, it's in the tabernacle. Then it's going to be in the temple. Then there's going to be a gap. And then it's going to be in the form of Christ. And even today for the church, it's in the form of the Holy Spirit who mm-hmm. temporarily takes up residence with God's people. But there's going to come a day when we're, we're with him forever and ever without end.
1: Amen. And don't forget either that this also harkens back to the beginning of Christ. The, the whole creation, Adam and Eve, it seems had time with God to walk with him in the cool of the garden. You don't see this until after the fall where he's walking and is like, Hey, where y'all at? we're going for our walk. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're hiding. Uh, so this is also pointing to the fact that there was this great communion between God and man and Eve at that point. And then in the future God will restore that. So he's promising, hey, this is going to be a relationship. You guys do what you're called to do. Man, we're going to have some sweet fellowship. Things are going to go well. You're going to have shalom.
0: The Abrahamic covenant's going to be in full effect. But if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, here come the curses in One thing to note on the curses is this is not just God being vindictive and saying, well, I'm going to do all this stuff, and ha. There's an escalation. Notice in verse 21, in verse 23, in verse 27. In each of those verses, God says, if you're still going to persist in this, and so in other words, these these curses were meant to be disciplinary for the people. They were meant to be corrective. They were meant to stop the people from pursuing the sinful things that they were pursuing and call them back into fellowship and obedience with God. And so that's why there are so many curses is because God was saying, look, if you don't stop... There's going to be more if you don't stop. There's going to be more if you don't stop. There's going to be more, and it's exponential. And it's Seven exponential. Bold. exactly. Whew. Yeah, and, and it, it eventually gets to the the point of exile. All the way down in verse 33. I mean, that's and we know the rest of the story, or maybe you don't. Maybe this is your first time reading the Bible. Hey, spoiler alert! That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Don't um, let us tell you. Yeah, but but he talks about exile. That they're going to be scattered among the nations. They're barely a nation at all at this point. And God's already saying, "Look, if you don't walk in fellowship with me and obey me, you're going to be sent into exile." And and the the curses in some ways mirror some of the uh, the blessings. There's going to be curses agriculturally, verses 18 through 20. Uh, wild animals are going to come after them in verses 21 through 22. There's going to be the opposite of peace in verses 23 through 39. There's there's war induced plague and famine here. There's and then there's just these atrocities in verses 27 through 29 where you have parents eating their children. I mean, it's which they it's will a, do. It's an awful, awful, awful thing that uh, faces them if they're going to be disobedient.
1: And, and and in fact, they are. Everything that God says would happen is going to happen. Which goes back to our
0: pre-podcast conversation. Which is what? On A, meditation. Barbe- okay. Yeah. Meditation. because Not barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Because they forgot these things. They didn't meditate on these things. They didn't keep these things at the forefront of their mind. And because of that, ended up drifting and drifting into disobedience. Yeah. Pr- probably.
1: Man, you could say so so much more about that. It's the lack of it. I mean, it's, everything's connected. I try to tell my son, uh, my my 14-year-old son, who's getting older really quickly. He's taking a driving course thing right
0: now. Yeah, dude. Is same. Josh doing that, too? Not yet, but he's about to.
1: <sighs> Crazy. Uh, I try to remind my son all the time. The little things do matter. Like, we, we, we tend to think of little things as not not a big deal because they're small. Right. But it's a small thing. like not reading your Bible, not praying. Things that are easy to do or easy not to do. And often it's those small, easy things that lead us away from the Lord and away from his plans and his purposes. And I'm sure for Israel, it was the small things. It's like, oh, it's not a big, it's just a little Molech, a little Asherah, a little bit of sin here and there. Right. But those small steps away from the Lord are what lead to massive catastrophe. So man, be cognizant, be aware, live circumspectly and don't let yourself get away with the little things. They matter.
0: Yep. Yeah, verses 40 through 45 then, it does end on a positive note. There's the promise of hope. If confession was there and repentance was there, there would be restoration. And uh, again, we'll see that play out in the, the nation of Israel uh, as well. But um, this, it, it ends as, as hard as so much of the, the curses section is. It, it does end on a, a high note there, which is good.
1: So why does it end on vows then? Chapter 27.
0: Well, there's a lot of debate about that. Some people think that this is out of place, that it should have been put somewhere else. Because um, it feels like it fits in a better spot. Right. <laughs> it feels like it might fit better earlier. Right,
1: right. But didn't want to end on a bad note?
0: Yeah. I. I maybe that. Maybe it, it's connected to the, the previous chapter. I. I it, it, there's. We don't know don't at the know. end of the day. Don't yeah. know. Yeah, but vows in chapter 27... Uh, you get vows relating to people, vows relating to animals, both clean and unclean, houses, land, uh, all kinds of different things that that people could vow. And, and the vow was, "I'm going to promise this thing to the Lord." And so, a lot of times, think of Jephthah's vow, right? Jephthah's oh, tragic, the vow, worst one, when he said, "Look, the first thing that comes out of my house when I get home, I'm I'm devoting it to the Lord." Now that that plays into this chapter because here's the thing: you remember uh, Hannah dedicated Samuel to right. the Lord. Um, that was that was different. Because it was it was not devoted as an offering in in worship there, and so right. when when a person was devoted to the, was was vowed to the Lord, not in a devotion offering, but differently, they could be redeemed, but there was a price to the redemption. So if the the person making the vow said, "You know what? Actually, I, I changed my mind," they could pay a certain amount, and that person could be redeemed, or that animal could be redeemed, right, or the the house, so forth and so on. But there was a category, and that is the vows of. Uh, of the ban, or something that's devoted either devoted to destruction or right. devoted as an offering to the Lord that's been given to the Lord that can't be taken back. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens with Jephthah who says the first thing to greet me out of my house, I will offer devote to, to destruction. Yeah. And or as a sacrifice, right. And it happens to be his daughter when he thought it was going to be Fido. So
1: we're not there yet, obviously, but do you think that that was a legitimate honoring of his vow? I, I, I do. You think he, he, he was compelled to by his offering. I do. Wow. You and I are going to strongly disagree when we get there. Okay. Just so you know.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. That's good. We can find, I'm not, I mean, I'm not. Not married to it? Like I'm not. I'm going to convince you you're wrong. Pitching a theological tent there and saying oh, okay. this is like where I 100% land, but. So can you, d- d- I mean, I have, I have an idea about
1: this, but maybe we can talk a little bit about the fact that the males and females are valued differently. Now, I wrote them down in my Bible just to kind of get a, a bird's eye view here. Males 20 to 60 are worth 50 shekels when redeemed. Uh, Females of the same age, 30 shekels, and then it goes on and on. Uh, Males and females who are 5 to 20 are 20 and 10, respectively. Zero to 5 are 5 and 3, respectively. And if they're older than 60, they're 15 and 10, respectively.
0: Yeah, my my thought on it is you're paying to redeem the work that would have otherwise been the work, completed the working value. Right. So
1: not the, the value ontology, ontologically, right. the person's like innate because you're a male, you're worth more because you're a female, you're worth less. Right. But just their, their economic values, what we're looking at.
0: Right. That's yeah. That was my understanding of it as well. Same, same, same here. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, be careful what you vow. And, and that's kind of one of the things that we take away from this is, is, we have to, to be careful about that. And and if we vow something rashly, we've talked about our words a lot recently in these last two episodes. Yeah, Let's talk again about that. Um,
1: we got to be careful. Is there anything wrong vows. with making vows today? Like, Lord, I—I. I I, I, or, or, I, mean, I guess when I think of a vow, I also think about people saying, "I promise to do this and that." Right. Um,
0: so help me, God, I will do this or that. Well, again, let me go back to what Jesus said. We're going to be held accountable for every word that we speak. Um, and so, if you promise God, I will do this. If you do this, uh, to to borrow another concept, biblical concept, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Right. Um, y- yeah, you should fulfill it. I would. Avoid making those promises to begin with. That's not, and, and, and a lot of times we do that because our view of God is 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 wrong. We look at God as as someone to be bartered with or traded with, and that's that's not how He operates. God's not up there waiting for you to offer Him just the right thing before He responds to the request that you're making. Right, not a slot machine. Right. So, uh, I, I, I don't think there's a precedent where this is a good thing for us to be doing. But if you're if you do it, then pay it, so to speak.
1: Is this similar to or different than modern day contracts? I mean, you're basically signing your name. You're vowing to pay your mortgage on this day of the month and, and it's going to be this much money, that kind of thing. Is that similar or different? Should Christians have any apprehension about modern day contracts in light of
0: what you said? No, I mean the, the Solomon in Proverbs has much to say about entering into to foolish agreements financially, but that's more about just what wise living looks like, right? And being wise stewards of the money that God has provided to you and, and what's smart and what's not smart in that. But, it, me saying to my, my home lender, Hey, I'm agreeing to pay you this much a month for my house does not put God's reputation at stake. Um, when I involve a vow to the Lord, then I'm putting God's reputation at stake. Right. And, and so when I'm bringing him into that, then, okay. that Then my fulfilling that or not fulfilling that puts, puts him in the equation and reflects poorly or well on him. And that's, that's one difference, um, there that I think, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think probably we could say with a, with a good deal of confidence, God, God is really, uh, God highly values integrity in what we say and what we do. Yeah. He wants us to be integer. The the word integrity comes from the word integer to mean one, a whole. Yeah. God wants us to be whole, wholehearted in what we say yes to wholehearted in what we say no to. There's a time to say yes and to say no. So it should be true for Christians that, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, that our yeses are yes and our noes are no. Yeah. And we don't want to play the word games that others in our day and age may employ for to save face or to do I was talking to someone the other day when, um, (laughs) I was trying to teach my son that there is such a thing as courtesy when people say nice things and and maybe don't always fully mean it that people will say nice things to say nice things. It's it's common courtesy, Um, say what you will about whether or not that's right or wrong, but that is the way things are. There is courtesy where people say nice things because you're supposed to, it's expected, um, and if you were to challenge them and say, do you, or do you really mean that? Or are you just saying nice things? Um, I'm probably not going to say, yeah, I was just saying nice things. <laughs> You're right. not going to say that. Um, I don't think God wants that for his people. Right. I think people who are Christians should be straight shooters. We should be honest people. We should be known for our integrity, known for our conviction. Uh, not that we're jerks about it. Right. But as, as Jesus said, our yes is our yes, our no is our no. And it's a, what you see is what you get. Right. People want that kind of person in their lives. And so let that be true of our church.
0: Yeah. and, and, And when you do the things that you say you're going to do, it it builds that reputation to where you don't have to to do these things. Yeah, you don't have to
1: swear on the Bible or say, I promise to do this or that.
0: Right. And that goes back to our conversation also about profanity. You you don't have to use the profanity to emphasize the point of what you're saying if you just speak the truth about what you're saying Hmm. um, and are a reliable and trustworthy person. You don't have to embellish using profane words to get somebody to, to understand your point. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I know a, a common phrase today with the young people is on God. Uh, yeah, which yeah, yeah, that's right. They'll throw around, and they, I don't think, understand that they're going to be held accountable for every careless word that comes mm. out of their mouth. Because what they're saying is, I swear to God that, that this happens to be true. Um, and that's, that's dangerous ground.
1: Yeah, and I guess if you have to employ that, what you're saying makes sense. You You, you don't have the integrity capital with people. The right. relational capital to say is what you're saying really true. Right. And that should be true for Christians that we have the, the credibility because we are people of our word right. that we don't have to use phrases like that.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yep. Well, hey, there it is. Numbers are not numbers. Leviticus <laughs> in the books.
1: We're done with numbers, yeah. too. We're done with numbers, too. Two for Whoa, one deal today, guys.
0: We're getting two, two books out of one. I don't think we're going to do that at any point in this study.
1: I hope not. Yeah,
0: no. But... You're done with Leviticus. That's uh, what four, three books in the books. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Job. Four books in the four books. books. Sixty-two books left. Man, keep Stop reading your it. Bibles. <laughs> and tune in tomorrow. Speaking of numbers, as we get into numbers. See you then. Bye.